0: Hello and welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots. Let's, uh, welcome, welcome. Let's tweet this out. Let's share the word. Uh, I'm talking about worst media moments and useful idiots. Join us live now. I'm just adding a tweet here. There, Mate. Let's say uh, I'm talking about worst media moments and and Twitter censorship. Let's add that in. We're gonna be talking about that. Okay. So let's see. Uh, Oh, we already got a bunch of callers. That's great. This is great, guys. Thanks so much. And thanks, Matthew, for saying thanks for the content. So nice of you. All right, so we're just waiting. uh, okay, I think we can start. Aaron's in here. Aaron, you feeling ready? Ready to start?
1: That's what I am. Yes.
0: All right. Awesome. Okay, Tarif. Hi, Tarif.
2: How y'all doing?
0: Good, you? I'm
2: doing fine. I'm doing fine. Um. Also, when I told y'all about my um my case last week, um, I'm gonna send in your inbox, Miss um, Katie Helper. That they had a case of a woman. Uh, I, I, I remember I spoke to her before, like several times. Her husband was a um. This is about Mikey DeBakey contaminated water case. I was telling you about that. I'm trying to get pushed through. That um. Okay, this woman, 2010. Her 2009, 2010. She, her husband, got in an accident, and he wound up paralyzed from the neck down, mm. and he was treated at the hospital at Mikey DeBakey. And, um, he became sicker and sicker and she got worried and took him out and he, he brought him to another hospital and he found out that he had caught MRSA, right? Oh. M M R S E, which is terrible. If anybody, Oh my God. But anyway,
0: it's antibiotic resistant bacteria. Exactly. Yeah. So,
2: um, he wound up passing away. Mm. Um, she sued. She's suing the federal government, but you know, became super expensive. You know, she was suing them for six million dollars, and I think my case ties into her case. I tried throughout the years to you know, I I, I try to give some information to her lawyers, to the law firm who was representing her, but it seemed like they wasn't even interested in me. So it apparently, a backward deal was done between her lawyers and. Um, the government probably without even her knowing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very, um, sketchy. It's very, some crazy stuff's happened behind that, which they need to be exposed, you know, in my opinion, immediately. Cause we, um, a lot of lawsuits would, you know, start flying against the uh, federal government at the VA if my case is heard, you know, especially if people get attention, if, you know, if um, people draw to the um, article and <clears throat> people looking at it, then that, people are going to ask for um, investigations. On um, dealing with that, yeah. Also, I gave y'all two a shout out uh, on George Gaddour's show yesterday. Somehow, I made it through. It been the last time I spoke to him on his Sunday shows. Um, on Moat, the um, Mother of oh, All Culture, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I made it through yesterday. It, the last time I made it through was like seven to eight months ago. So when I made it through, I was so happy, man. I was like, man. And I I told him, I say, you know, my case, about my case, again, because uh, I told him about my case already, but I uh, I say, uh, I gave the information to, uh, I told Katie to Help and Aaron Mente what to look at, look out for, for that, look at where is that, you know. And hopefully things can start moving forward. And also, I told him that I'm not I'm not suicidal or homicidal either, you know, just to make sure, you know, um, <clears throat> to make sure nothing happened to me, and I'm not oh. also crazy. <laughs> right. So, those are things I had to say. It, well, it was something else I wanted to um, bring up. Um, it was something that I met you, Edward. I was watching him. He was being interviewed some weeks ago, and he and he brought up Paul Robeson. Excuse me, Robeson. Paul oh, Robeson.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. And he brought up a, a situation about him because I heard years ago when I was young, when I was talking to black activists in the black community, and I remember somebody did mention that Paul Robeson was supposed to be the person that was supposed to lead African Americans, right? And it wasn't supposed to be MLK. It was supposed to be Paul Robeson. Now, what Matthew Everett said, he said Paul Robeson had something done to him while he was in Britain.
0: He was blacklisted.
2: Yeah, he was blacklisted, but they, they start...
0: Oh, I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, they, 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 I think they somebody put something in his drink or something.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They, I've heard that, but I don't know if that's true. But I yeah. have heard something about that,
2: yeah. Yeah, so things like that, it, 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 we what we have to do is expose those things because if we sit back and don't expose them, what's over time is gonna collect more and more uh, um, uh, volume and it's gonna suck up more and more people into into these little MK Ultra slash Quarantel Pro programs. where yeah. people are gonna be just sitting around not doing anything, while their loved ones being experimented on. We we can't let ourselves as human beings devolve into that. You see what I'm saying? Into being, not standing up doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? It's not, yeah. now the, the situation like y'all, like today, a contrast today, which y'all showed how the liberal, the neoliberals is acting a fool because they being suspended. You know what I'm saying? But when it was leftist, like Pepper Askerball, Scott Ritter, and other people being suspended, didn't say, they didn't say nothing for them. But because right. it's happening to them now, not up in arms, you know what I'm saying. So I think we, as a human race, all eight bands of us, we have to be vigilant. We have to stand up to the powers that be. And yes, I know it's scary, and I know people don't. If they long, some people think if they just put their head in the ground, they, it's going to go away. Let me tell y'all something. For the first year before I blew the whistle after I left Mikey to Bakey, it did not go away. I was still, my, my accounts was being hacked. It was like they still was trying to, like, entrap me because yeah. I had a potential, right? And I had to use the potential. I said, you know what? Let me gather up the little nerves I got and say something because I have to speak up. Because sometimes when your calling comes and the creator picks you to stand up, you have to stand up. I don't care how afraid you are or whatever, you have to stand up, man, because that's all we got is us. We got, all we got is the truth, you know, and we got to u- use that. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate Thank
3: it. You. Thanks a lot.
0: Okay, Andrew.
4: Good morning. I hope you're both well. Good morning. Um, thanks.
2: You too.
4: Thanks. I just wanted to say two things. One quickly on Ukraine. Uh, The article you mentioned about The Economist, uh, Zaluzhny was saying that he would need all that military equipment just to get to Melitopol, where he could then, which is on the coast of Ukraine, which is where he could then fire HIMARS at Ukraine from. So it's not even saying we need this to take back Crimea, because that's not He's not talking about pushing all the way into Crimea in that article, even if you read it clearly. Right. So I think this shows that. And then the article also mentions that that amount of equipment is more than the entire army of many NATO countries in Europe, like, for example, the UK. So the idea that they're going to not get that shows that we don't care how many Ukrainians are going to die. Um, We're just going to have them keep fighting and give them what we find appropriate. And when it comes to the Patriot missiles, I don't think they'll be manned by U.S. soldiers because that would be a drastic step that puts U.S. lives at risk when they could just be trained. It takes a couple months. Who cares how many Ukrainians die in that time? And then we'll give them the Patriots. I really think that's how cynical the situation is. And the point I wanted to make... Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, 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 no. Go ahead.
4: The point I wanted to make was that the PR move... Uh, that has been so masterful in brainwashing the West is saying that anybody who wants Ukraine to give up land for peace is pro-Russian and anti-Ukrainian. And anyone that wants Ukraine to keep fighting under any conditions, no matter what, is pro-Ukrainian. And the logic is based on the idea that the Ukrainian state is at war, and so the Ukrainian people are at war, and so the only way to support them is to support the war and support the state. Which is just not true. You're supporting more death by necessity. But somehow the PR move has been anybody that's anti-Ukrainian death and pro-peace is anti-Ukrainian and pro-Russian. And it's it's just amazing to me that people don't see this.
1: Very well said. I, I agree with everything you said. And uh, uh, that's an interesting point about what the general Volusiany said about you know the weapons he would need. And yeah, you're right. It wasn't even to retake Crimea. It was just basically to uh, expel Russia from the territory it's invaded since february uh, of last year uh, of of this year and uh yeah you're right uh there are such ingrained contempt for ukrainian lives and such and if you read some of the stories that are coming out about what it's like on the front lines for ukrainian soldiers it just sounds absolutely horrible it's a nightmare Can I make a
4: suggestion and, that you anti-war sure. people at useful idiots or gray zone or whatever Make an effort to link some of those frontline accounts, whether it's Channel 4, even if it's propagandistic, because you're right. You can see the frontline accounts and they're mm-hmm. out there, whether it's even pro-Ukrainian sources. I've been watching some of these videos and it's just brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: I'm yeah. oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm always happy
1: to provide links. So. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. OK, oh, thanks.
4: Uh, wait, links. could I could I yeah, make go to Twitter? Yes. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. take. Sure. Up a bunch oh, of time. sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Uh, The Twitter files, and this is really the more important point anyway, is the biggest breach of Constitution in my life and the biggest breach of the First Amendment in American history, in my opinion. And I'm wondering if you're both disappointed with the left's overall reaction to this, because uh, I am. I'm I'm worried that people are not seeing it as a violation of the First Amendment by the FBI. Um, I guess, have you seen the Twitter files part six? I have not caught... Because
1: that's where a lot of this... What is Part 6 about?
4: Part 6 is about the relations that the FBI had with, uh, and among other, uh, intelligence agencies, even though it seems that the FBI may have acted as a conduit for the broader intelligence community in terms of communicating with Twitter. Um, In a period of a few years, there were over 150 emails just to you all, Roth, from uh, FBI agents, including this guy Elvis Chan who was an FBI San Francisco headquarters agent. Uh, and essentially, long story short, they, the uh, intelligence community was forwarding lists of people to be censored uh, or what they would term actioned by Twitter. And Twitter willingly did this essentially without exception, almost entirely. Uh, and a lot of people want to make it a partisan issue because it's so many of these targets are right-wingers, right, because of the culture of Twitter But uh, as you know and you've brought up, it's anti-war voices in general, even though I wouldn't (laughs) characterize Scott Ritter as a leftist, and I'm sure he wouldn't either. He is an anti-war voice in this scenario. He's banned, and there's many other leftists that are banned. So the point is that Twitter was being supplied lists by the government, by the FBI, and also supplying data to the FBI so that they could harvest the data through Twitter, surveil it, and then uh, basically pick out who they – Uh, They being the FBI and whoever else in the intelligence community found to be violating, quote unquote, the policies of Twitter. So they're monitoring Twitter policy, which is, of course, ambiguous. And these suggestions that they're making are about like election integrity. They have nothing to do with crime. Right. So this isn't the FBI investigating a crime. This is preemptive censoring. Excuse me. Preemptive censoring of information in the effort uh to basically shut down pre-crime of foreign disinformation being spread through uh social media outlets that's how the fbi would position it but they're banning american voices so this is the fbi and other intelligence agencies without the remit of investigating a crime without warrants working with and in sometimes uh you know Having people quit and then go work inside the company, these social media companies, and it's of course it's not just Twitter. We have the Twitter files, but we don't have the YouTube files, the Google files, the Facebook files, which all exist. And so, Yoel Roth meets with the FBI once a week. What do you think the FBI is doing other seven days a week? They're meeting or six days of the week. They're meeting with all these other companies. So it could be broadly assumed that the government is now. In the business, which is what Matt's point is, and this is like I feel insane because I feel like he's yelling this into the void, and all people are hearing is their partisan message. But the point is that the government is censoring social media and Americans, and I wonder if people would be comfortable with this if it was the mainstream media that they were censoring, if 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 it was in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Fox News, MSNBC. And the FBI was telling them who to promote and what stories to run. Is this just okay now in American society? Because I feel like that's the message right now is that, yes, it is okay, And we should just have the FBI monitor all media and tell us what's true and not. And if not, I'd like to hear people like AOC and Bernie Sanders and uh, all these squad people who haven't said a peep about this. You can look. They haven't said a word about this, which is the biggest violation of free speech, I think, ever. Got it. it's you. Uh, Sorry. uh, No, no, no.
1: Uh, Thank you for explaining all that. And um, that is, I agree with you, that's very troubling. And I'm equally troubled by the lack of journalists, self-described journalists who are troubled by that. Because this has been the last six years, and Russiagate put a big part in this, of just normalizing this intrusion by law enforcement and intelligence into the democratic process. And so when you worship the FBI as like, and you treat them as your heroes, the answer to Donald Trump, then you're going to normalize all of the draconian actions that they take. And this is a great example of that. So thank you for the call and for for filling us in uh, on the latest iteration of the Twitter files. And, uh, you know, like if I was an FBI agent, I don't know exactly what motivates someone. I mean, everyone's got different motivations to get into law enforcement, but is this what they wanted to do? Like Monitor social media activity and advise companies who to ban. There's got to be more exciting ways to be a federal law enforcement official. I don't know. That's just my vantage point. All right, Jonathan, go ahead.
5: Well, I have to agree with all that. But uh, the first thing I wanted to say was, uh, you know, to to give a shout out to Katie there uh, because Savage Joy last night had a, uh, you know, a picture that she needed help with. And it turned out to be a tardigrade on a marmalade, but it was a picture of a water bear. And I, uh, I was like, that looks like a water bear, so maybe a tardigrade on a marmalade. Wow. And uh, she was like, oh, wow, you guys sound so smart. How did you know what a tardigrade is? I'm like, well, I learned it from Katie Halper on The Useful Idiot Show. And you're making your audience smarter all the time, and uh, that is your, your particular gift. And I feel smarter already. Uh, the other, yeah, so, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: Nope, just saying thank you, that's it
5: yeah the uh the main thing i i called uh, i called in for and by the way this was probably the most productive weekend thank you to the sunday news gods uh like there, there was a, a whole bunch of good clips on here but uh one of the things i, I wanted to call about was also related to the twitter files which is ted Lou has been weighing in in a very heavy-handed way and uh i don't know what you guys make of it but it seems to me like as a member of the house oversight committee he was told a bunch of things that he was unaware of, and now he has to pretend he knew the whole time, but it wasn't a big deal. Uh, although, if there's any other interpretation to that, I'm, I'm certainly open to... Uh, you know, I I was wondering what your thoughts were on it. On
0: um, the Ted Lou thing? Yeah. Well, he's a... Uh... I mean, he's kind of a resistance hero, right?
5: Hello? Yeah.
0: Right. Sorry, it, it
5: looks it, it looks like I'm muted, but I I seem to still be able to talk.
0: He's kind of a resistance hero.
5: You, you think that's all it is?
0: Well, what do you what do you think it is?
5: I like I said I think it's because he's a member of the House Oversight Committee, um, and he actually didn't know any of this stuff. Uh, he now feels obligated to pretend like he did, so okay. that he doesn't he doesn't look like a fool, and the House Oversight Committee doesn't look like they were being uh, led around by the nose by the these uh, federal law enforcement and intelligence community organizations.
0: That certainly sounds plausible.
1: What, what I but saw I, Ted, I, no Liu, what I saw Ted Lou was just him, and I haven't read uh, Matt's latest thread. Uh, on the Twitter file. So I don't know exactly what, you know, although the previous caller, uh, the previous caller spoke about, it, spoke about it, but Ted Lou is basically saying like nothing to see here. Right. Like Matt Tabi's basically just revealing the, the obvious that the FBI is somehow weighing in, sometimes weighing in on, you know, on some harmful content on Twitter, but otherwise like nothing to see here. And I think that's because Ted Lou is just basically he, you know, again, in the Trump era, the Russiagate era, the democratic response to Trump has been to worship the FBI and the CIA and to basically treat them as sacrosanct. And so any criticism of them is now off limits, including criticism of their powers to intervene in the democratic process. And, um, look, Ted Lou is, you know, like recently he spread that fake story about how Iran has sentenced like 1500 people to die who took part in protests. and That was a completely fake story. And even Justin Trudeau had to retract uh, his promotion of that story, but Ted Lou did, and so those are Ted Lou's standards for evidence, and I just don't f- see him as really being some like. Whereas Rokana, as much as I disagree with Rokana, at least Rokana seems to have some principles, and re- and you know th- the Twitter files show that Rokana was actually writing to Twitter when it was suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story and saying, "Hey, this is like this is an issue; you shouldn't be doing that." And Ted Lou is not <laughs> falling in that path, and that's just where Democrats are at. So we think it's just he's on the he's on the
5: nothing burger train, basically with the with the um, you know sort of shit libby journalists.
1: Yes, my my impression of Ted Lu from what I've seen of him is he's definitely trying to dismiss all this as a nothing burger. Yes, yes, yeah. All right, Jonathan, thank you for the call. Am- Amanda, good morning.
6: good morning. I trust you two are at least awake because you are doing a fantastic job, as usual, with your show.
0: Imagine how impressive it would be if we were asleep. (laughs) Indeed.
6: Indeed, Katie. You make an excellent point. Um, I I just... um, One of the things I noticed uh, when they were interviewing the Ukrainian ambassador, I'm sorry I didn't catch her name, but the split screen when they were talking about they need Patriot missiles and everything, they weren't showing the reason they need the Patriot missiles, like the destruction that's happened, they were showing the missiles. Is this a situation of goldfish not knowing they're in water kind of thing? I mean, that split screen was not necessary, was it? What do you guys think?
0: Uh, Like that rule you're not supposed to show exactly where you're describing?
6: Well, it just seems like, one, did they need to show a split screen showing how great the Patriot missile is? I mean, it seems like if they were going to do a split screen, it might have been good to show why they are asking for it, like the the right. bombs that are falling on Ukraine, right?
0: Right, but they don't really want to show that, great. Right?
6: Oh, I see.
0: Yeah, right. No. Yeah.
6: It just seems like more pimping for war, and it's very frustrating to see that kind of thing going on, so... I just wanted to point it out. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for doing what you do.
0: Thank you. All righty. Uh, Watson. Hello. Hi.
7: Um, I had a few things to say about Crimea, but uh, Tarif, the first caller, he might want to look into Dr. David Martin's investigation into Fauci. He's uh, Dr. David Martin is the World Patents Office go-to guy. He's been chasing Fauci for two decades. The patent records are incredible. And um, Andrew, he talks about how the framing is always: if we end the war, Russia wins; if we continue the war. Ukraine wins. There was an article a couple months ago saying that they want to drop the world population by 60 million. They don't care who goes. They just want it dropped. And uh, Amanda, when she talked about, um, you know, Trump was a hero when he dropped his first bomb in the press. They're going to color war. As the savior, no matter who's in office, what we got to do is just stop capitalism. Dr. David Martin is the person who has the most authority on COVID information in the world, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Okay. Uh, Thanks, Watson, for the call. Uh, Steve, you're
8: up. Hi, guys. Hi there. Hi. Um. So um, first, the uh, funny thing, so um, I have a good sub-headline for the show Monday morning. The sub-headline sub is The Death of Corporate Media. Boom. Because um, they are killing themselves. I, I mean, the good news out of all this horrible propaganda we have to listen to is who, who, can, who can read the New York Times with a straight face? I mean, it's, they, they've become a parody of themselves. Um, and uh, so that's point one. And then point two is um, even KPFA has turned. So it's like those horror movies where it's like the call is coming from inside the house.
1: Right. I just uh, to explain what KPFA is. KPFA is, yes, a, K-P- a, is a radio station on Pacifica.
8: But the Pacifica network, you guys, as you know, the great... The formerly great Amy Goodwin. and um, my show is on know. death
0: closure, The Katie, Halpert, it is the Katie Halpert. Yeah. but what? Okay,
8: okay, you might want to think about your affiliation. No, I, no.
0: I don't believe that. Uh, you,
8: you should stay on. You should yeah. stay on. You okay. guys should but, stay on. And wait, fight. wait, what,
0: what are they doing?
8: Okay, so here's what happened. So the news department is parroting the the New York Times. CIA, Ukraine, uh, SBU propaganda in in their news broadcast. So even if they have decent people on, they'll do these news broadcasts that talk about how the Russians are impaling babies and stuff because that's what the Ukrainians are saying. And if the Ukrainians are saying it, then it must be true. And so this is what happened. I was listening to KPFA, and they said – the Zaporozhia nuclear power plant is being bombed. Russia says Ukraine is bombing it, and Ukraine says Russia is bombing it. And I said, oh, wait, you know, I said, what, what? You're going to report that? That? That's how your story is going to be reported? Right. So I called, I called the woman. You guys understand what I'm saying. I called the woman. Bye-bye. I'm dropping my 17-year-old off at high school. Um, so... I called the woman in the news department who who, who uttered those words, and I said, you're just parroting Ukrainian propaganda. Russia's not bombing the Zaporosha nuclear power plant. And if you did your research, instead of parroting the State Department, you wouldn't know who's bombing the Zaporosha power plant. And and this was her response. Are you there? How are you sure? You yeah. guys, this is this is KPFA. Wow. So, so I called her a couple of names and hung up.
0: Huh.
8: Um. You know, uh, we don't even have. You guys, when I first moved to the Bay Area, anti-imperialist anti was Central America wars. They were our mouthpiece. Pacifica was our. They were our guys.
0: Who who show
8: us? No, this was this was on the morning show, but see they do news reports. Right. So that that, see the news department and their little NPR wannabes. So the news department has its own thing.
9: It's run by a lady
8: named Eileen Elfandary, and you got they were great. They used to be great, but now there's like they're just parroting the corporate press. So I wanted you guys to know that I know Max is on and you said you're on Katie and Max is on KPFK in L.A. And I just I, I wish you guys would ask them to kind of check themselves.
0: Yeah,
1: before they
8: wreck. check themselves. Well, before they wreck. This is why there isn't a movement, you guys.
1: OK, Steve, you got it. We Steve, have, yeah, yeah. have no. You yeah, got it. Yeah. Um, listen. Uh, yeah. Listen. Um. This is there has been a shift in in the progressive media space in the Russiagate era where people have been enlisted to buy into a lot of this kind of chauvinistic called war mania and to parrot the talking points of the national security state and now we're seeing the results even in progressive indie media it's it's happening and it's it, it's, it's a shame and um, I do think though Pacifica, is historically very, very, uh, how do you say, it's democratic. There's a lot of space for the input of its audience. And that's been both to its advantage and also to its detriment. Because, like, people get fired constantly. There's constantly changes in leadership. It's very chaotic. But, you know, on the plus side, it does mean that there's space for the audience to weigh in. And so if people don't like the direction that a radio station is going in, then then there should be space for that to be heard. And, uh, but I agree with you in terms of broadly the, the direction that some people have gone in, uh, you know, over the proxy war in Ukraine and, and related issues. It's it's it, to me, it doesn't represent progressive values and it's actually a, a betrayal. So uh, thanks for calling it. Okay. William.
10: Hi.
11: Pop up window. When you're done speaking, tap here to unmute.
10: Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, I did it again. I said I made a comment last week, and I forgot like the most important part of it. So I'm gonna have to go back there and say and finish this. I want to finish this quickly though. All right. I said that last week. I was saying that you know people complain about guns and all that, and how the gun laws don't work and all that, and and um and I, then I said that nobody's doing anything about crime in general. And the reason for that is, and that's what I forgot to say, the reason why is because crime is huge business in America. I mean, I mean, huge business. I mean, think about you take ten minutes to sit down and think about like Brinks and ADT home security systems, uh, doorbells with video cameras in them, gun manufacturers, criminal defense lawyers, LifeLock, uh, uh, Norton and, and McAfee antivirus scans. All of this stuff. I mean, and this just, and a lot of this stuff. As crime goes up, these people's profits go up. So none of these people want to see uh, crime going down. You know, they'd, they'd rather see crime go down, and and people on the news report that it's going up anyway. You know, and um, uh, I'm blanking out again. Oh. Uh, or oh, and like now that now that like the prisons and, and whatnot are are for profit the um uh, the uh, uh criminal justice system is pretty much just a numbers game now. you know cops want more arrests uh prosecutors want higher uh, higher uh conviction rates and whatnot, and they don 't actually care if any of these people are uh guilty or innocent they just want to want their numbers to look good. Yeah. So, you know, Michelle Michelle Alexander called mass incarceration the new Jim Crow. Well, that's true after they get out of prison. While they're in prison, mass incarceration is the new slavery, the new convict leasing. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, just go to any web browser and type in the words companies that use prison labor. Right. And you will see an astounding list of companies that are using inmates, prison inmates as slave labor. And they get paid anything from zero to maybe a buck an hour.
1: I even saw this thing a few years ago where there are some fires in California and they were using prisoners as firefighters, but of course paying them nothing. So like sending them into the most... Yeah. difficult conditions like you know like risk endangering their lives and paying them nothing so that's how that's how far it goes and being willing to use people as slave labor is even setting them off into like really life-threatening situations and paying them and, nothing
10: and the really ironic part of that is that when they get out of when they get out of prison they can't even get a job as a as a firefighter because right got to kill them. yeah that's right that's you right know? Yeah. Now Gavin Newsom claimed that he was gonna do something about that, and I haven't heard a, a word about it, which probably means he hadn't done anything about it. But that's what I heard Gavin Newsom said he was gonna he was gonna pardon these people so they could get a job as firefighters. You know. But like I said, the the but the bottom line is though, the, the greatest criminal element in our society is not black people, it's not white people, it's corporations, it's banks. It's Wall Street, you know. Those three entities harm, kill, and harm more people every year than you could ever even dream to have happen on the street.
1: Amen to that, William. Thank you for the call.
10: So wait, wait, oh, okay. I'm
1: Sorry, go ahead.
10: Yeah, I just got through with that part. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm moving yeah. on to what I what I said I was going to talk ahead. about yesterday. I won't, uh, last week. I mean, uh, first of all, I just want to say that I've been a useful idiot subscriber for like three years and if you stick around for another three years i'll be around with you um and um last in the last like four or five weeks i've read several books uh mein kampf by adolf hitler the handmaid's tale by margaret atwood war and peace by leo tolstoy a great book 2200 pages but it's still a great book um the Myth of Normal, and In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, both oh, you're by Gabor Mate. Gabor Mate fan.
0: Huh? You're a big Gabor Mate fan.
10: Yeah, now I am, yeah. I never even knew who he was until, you know. I, as a matter of fact, when I first heard the heard of those, the guy who wrote these books, I'm like, Gabor Mate. I wonder if he's uh, any kin or Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, but, well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with my father uh, being famous because of me. I um
0: yeah, I'm happy accept- to help- Aaron
10: accepted that long ago. Yeah, that was the first thing that was the first thing I thought about when I heard his name. <laughs> but Plus, anyway, um
0: Katie Halper show so he of course got the Katie Halper show bump.
10: Yeah but those are two absolutely great books. And and uh, I got I got really inspired by one of the stories in, in uh The Myth of Normal. There's this lady named Sue Hannish. Mm. In chapter twenty-five, and she was a victim of a b- bombing by the North, uh, the, by the IRA, IRA or whatever yes. in Ireland, and uh, she had a right foot blown off, and um, and her left foot was severely damaged, mm-hmm. and she climbed to the top of, of uh, Kilimanjaro in, yep. in Africa, at the mountain, but and the reason why she her stories it, it it's inspiring to me is because her lord extremities are exactly like mine mm. i lost my left i lost my right foot to amputation uh in um december of 2020 mm. and my my left foot is like i have almost no sensation in it i mean it's just because my circulation is so bad in it and it's all due to diabetes right Mm. And see, and, and like see, I say, I say I read these books, but I didn't actually read them. I had to listen to them, yeah. Because I, I can't read anymore. I'm, I'm blind now. I can't mm. read anymore. Mm. So uh, anyway, wow. Well, but uh, I, you, I say if that's if if this lady can have the same stuff that's going on with her feet that I's going on with mine, and she can go to the top of the mountain, then I can do a whole lot better than what I'm doing.
1: Well, hey, that's so. Uh, great to draw some inspiration from that and yeah he, her story is very uh powerful and you know by the way um my brother daniel he is the narrator of that audiobook. so that's who you were listening to and i I've, I've been listening to it too and i think he i really like his narration i, I it was it was oh
10: yeah he, he's yeah. great at that i mean does, does he act or something
1: uh he has a background in that but uh yeah he does have a background in that and, yeah, cause um,
10: he, does, he does accents real good too <laughs>
1: yeah well you know there was some debate over whether or not when you're doing an audiobook whether you should have accents or not but i thought yeah i think it works i think it works um, it
10: works better yeah. because like especially if you're not reading it or that right. i don't see quotes yeah stuff like yeah. that you, you don't have all that stuff in there when you're doing something in an accent or you use you change your voice for for what somebody said then you can tell when it's when what they say starts and when it stops, you know. All
1: right, well, listen, that's great to know. I'm definitely going to pass on that feedback because there was some debate in my family about whether or not the accents were a good idea. So I'm going to I'm going to chalk that up. I'm going to mark it down as an endorsement of accents. So thank you for that. All right. Thanks, William, for the call. Great to hear from you. Thank you. Again. Thank you. Okay. Veronica.
11: Hello. Good morning.
1: Good morning.
11: Hi there, um, to, to bounce off of what uh, William was saying, definitely, definitely agree with what he was uh, talking about, um, about uh, the real problem being corporations. And also um, what you had said about in uh, California and uh, California forcing uh, prisoners uh, to be used as uh, labor for putting up uh, wildfires, forest fires in California. When Kamala Harris was attorney general, she actually, argued against the early release of nonviolent offenders because uh, she claimed that it would uh, put the California economy in danger because of how, uh, how reliant the state of California has become on prison labor uh, during uh, fire season in California. It's really dystopian, um, the way that prison labor is used in California and the arguments against and doing anything about it. Uh, a lot of them also come from the Democratic Party establishment too. It's really disgusting and disingenuous. Um, but additionally, I also wanted to um, to talk about uh, the last time that I had come on. Um, I'm not sure if you'd remember, but a few months ago, I came on and I had um, mentioned the troubled teen industry. And I had asked if either of you had like were aware of it or had heard of it. Um, and I did want to sort of touch on that a little bit further, because uh, before when I came on, before, I didn't really do a very good job. Uh, explaining it um, or verbalizing exactly what it is. Um, just, cause I was wake- really just like uh, waking up at the time. Um, but anyway, um, so basically the troubled teen industry, it's a term for different facilities um, in the United States, but also around the world that are utilized mainly by uh, private equity. Private equity as a massive investment in this industry. It's a for-profit industry uh, that um, it on average it receives about $23 billion annually, um, a lot of it in government subsidized uh, funds. Um, but it represents a multi billion dollar industry. Uh, for, um, some of the uh, facilities within it uh, include boot camps, wilderness therapy camps, secured group homes within the foster care system, um, as well as teen ranches reform schools, emotional growth boarding schools, therapeutic boarding schools, religious boarding schools, um, behavior modification schools, residential treatment centers, as well as conversion therapy programs as well. Um, And it's an industry that stretches back decades. Um, Actually, uh, the Reagan administration through the Just Say No campaign really helped catapult the industry into the mainstream and through Reaganomics uh, deregulation of public services um, and ushering in of privatization, this industry really exploded in the process because of that. And so present day, there's an average of about 120,000 to 200,000 minors that are in, this, in these facilities uh, today. Um, and uh, children, they find themselves in placement uh, being put into these facilities at the hands of child welfare and juvenile justice systems, school districts through paid educational consultants that are pretty much paid shills for these private equity programs. Veronica, I, the parent companies and
1: I'm going to cut in here because I do remember this call. I remember you called in and told us about this. And uh, as I we said at the time, of course, it's a really important issue and deserves more coverage. Um, but we have a lot of callers that we haven't gotten to so i want to i'm going to leave time for them but um thank you for calling again to raise attention about this issue and you know i just i heard i haven't listened to it but i heard that the podcast true and recently did a series about this industry because i think the co-host of true and on um,
0: brace. Yeah.
1: brace he he went through that system and he had a so he went through that system when he was a kid and so he went so this series if i have it, if i understand it correctly is like his account of what happened to him, and I heard it's very powerful. And I believe they put it out for free, so people can learn more about it there. And um, if you want to put any resources, any links into the chat to learn more, please do. But we're gonna move on now because I want to make sure yeah. that other people have time to weigh in and call.
0: And yes, but thank everything you. Everything that Aaron said is true. It's on. Uh, on. on uh, have, you of, have you heard it? hadn't you heard it, True and on Veronica? Because he talked about it.
1: Right. um yeah so Back okay track. yeah all right no war chris go ahead no war chris sorry i was doing there another
12: app i apologize good morning
1: um Word. i
12: was. i was gonna bring up the twitter files uh six last night but um i think andrew brought that up and aaron you said you haven't read it yet karen or katie i don't know if you've read it yet but uh i mean these hey, are long very... reads.
1: these are long reads this is these are like they are 50 part threads so i mean you know they are it Come is on. I, it takes a while <laughs> I'm, not,
12: I'm not critiquing um anyway so instead of that i i guess i'll just ask if you guys saw the world cup game yesterday morning and any reaction to that uh you know, obviously, as an American, soccer is not the biggest sport here, and it's not my favorite sport to watch, but I think elite-level, championship-level sports of any sport are always really interesting to watch, and that was an amazing game yesterday. I, did either of you catch it, any reaction? And I'll leave it at that. Well,
1: I will never be intrigued by elite-level golf. So Fair enough. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I'm, I'm definitely... A soccer fan and I didn't catch the whole game. I caught basically the second half onwards, which I, which was you know, the best part. It was unbelievable, mm-hmm. and I can't recall a better World Cup final. I think it was just uh, it was incredible. <laughs> and I, and watching it, I was just thinking, it really is the beautiful game. It's a beautiful, beautiful game. And um, it is, and, It'll I, be and fun I love when seeing... the
12: World Cups here in in Canada, Mexico,
1: U.S. in four years. Oh really? It's coming here in four years. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, whether I'll go to a game or not is—I pr- I probably won't. But but, but uh, Vancouver but. and New York are, are two of the venues. So you, oh really? It's going to be. You Vancouver. got no
12: excuse. Okay.
1: Wow. Yeah. You okay. got I'll no go really
0: conflicted.
1: Yeah, I'll go in Vancouver for sure. Yeah, I'll go because that's really cool. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. And it was great for me personally to see Emmanuel Macron be upset. Uh, because, oh, that
12: yeah. was. That was kind of the best part, right? Was yeah, watching yeah. Uh, Macron and then when he kept trying to, like, hug Mbappe and and the coach and everybody's just trying to, like, get away from him. And, like, was creeped out by him. I thought that was kind of the funniest part of the end.
1: Yeah, like, who does Macron think he is? Like, you think a, a young man who just <laughs> lost a World Cup final is going to care that, like, this, like, middle-aged president is trying to console him? And, like, he, is that going to help? Like... The first, like when you're sad, does 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 Emmanuel Macron come to mind as someone who can eat? (laughs) So stupid! It's so, and 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 that you know, you know, you know, like my other thought is like when when I'm watching these games, it's kind of like it's not fair that these uh, you know that these European states, and I include the U.S. in that, get to colonize these global South countries, and then you know pillage them. And then one day, because of all the, you know, all the destabilization that happens, all these players, their families immigrate to the, you know, European countries. And then you, the European country gets a poach from the talent pool and take, and take the best soccer players. And then, you know, so, so like Mbappe, I, I don't know where- You mean Mbappe's not a Frenchman? <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> it, it, it. it's one more layer to the injustice of imperialism. Yeah, and And it's like, and, you know- not my place to like tell people what to do but it'd be cool if someone like Mbappe was like no I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to play for the colonizers team I'm going to play for my you know ancestral homes original team like whatever that is you know really? now of course we would have to apply that universally so like yeah. you know it's it's a bit but it's like um I just wish like I think I, th- I think there should be if a country has undergone a certain level of colonialism then the players should have the right to go play for their original team. So, you know, let's say I became a World Cup player. My family's from Hungary, and they were forced to leave, uh, but they were really forced to leave because of because of Stalin, because of Stalinist Russia. So, you know, like that's not really to the event. Adv- that's not the first world. That's not the European country's fault. That's actually Stalin's fault. So, I don't know. The point is, I just wish there could be some way to address that because to me, it, it, it's just not fair that Europe gets to pillage these countries and then take advantage of their soccer talent pool. Well, that was
12: why I was cheering for Morocco too. I really yeah. like they knocked off Portugal and Spain to like top Western European, you know, teams and, and, you know, some of the European countries were pissed that Morocco was there. And at that point, and it's like, right. yeah, fuck you. Yeah. It's like, fuck off. You know Morocco gets to be there as much as you do, and if they're beating you, then they definitely have a right to be there. So like, like I, don't, you know, I was I was hoping Morocco would get uh,
1: past get into the final because that would have been really fun. But and way. and Morocco made the semifinal, right? That right? Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's amazing. That's right.
12: amazing. to uh, an African team or or and like that has ever made it in a World Cup, and then to have a, an Arab team when it's hosted in in Qatar, which obviously there's some issues around that aspect of this World Cup, which, you know, there's a lot to say about that. But uh,
1: yes, there is a lot to say. I mean, Qatar, see, the the whole argument was so stupid because the outrage that Qatar is hosting, as opposed to, say, the U.S. hosting, is that the U.S. somehow has a better rights record than Qatar. Like Qatar is like a where Qatar is hosting a U.S. military base. Right. So right. That, that should give you the where we do a
12: lot of our droning out of exactly
1: exactly so uh, and uh, and of course um, yeah but of course Cutter also I mean there's plenty to criticize Cutter for but I think but you know from from my vantage point Cutter's worst abuses actually aren't even criticized so for example the slave- I say it again slave labor I think is one of the biggest ones slave labor gets slave labor at least gets some criticism but how many countries are condemning Cutter for the dirty war in Syria where they spent Tens of billions, maybe even hundreds of billions of dollars, on contras, on death squads that terrorized the country. I mean, there's, you know, so there's just problems with the with that, with that discourse all around. But um, yeah, the slave labor definitely, definitely deserves more attention than than it got because it's such a huge scandal and yeah. terrible. But all right, thank you anyway, for the call.
12: Thank you guys. Take care. Thank you. Okay,
1: Sterling.
3: Hi again, Aaron. Um, I just talked to you last night. Um, yeah, okay, only,
10: well, welcome
1: back.
3: Yeah, thanks. Um, the only people I felt sorry for automatically, because my heart so went out to them, were the yellow vests in France. I thought that was so heartbreaking for them. As far as Macron, I was completely delighted, but I don't really like to gloat. But yeah, I really hate it for people that, in, you know, we don't, they don't under, we don't understand here how important soccer is. Really, to other people, and it is a truly beautiful sport, and I love the kind of you know global aspect of it. Yeah, it is completely disappointing that all the players aren't actually from a particular region, and how money all get always gets involved and things like that. But I think it's a I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, and again, hated for the yellow vesters of France. So, uh, but d- thrilled about Messi. He obviously, I think, probably deserved it. So. Um, But yeah, as far as media, um, I think I've really enjoyed seeing how they can dish it out and they can't take it in. And that's how I would sum it up for what's going on with Elon and how they just hate being (laughs) silenced. And um, it's interesting to watch how the right seems to just completely applaud Elon. He's just this businessman, like they had the same thing with Trump in the billions and Just watch the left actually sit there with a straight face and act like they aren't completely envious. I mean, they've got Jeff Bezos. They'd love to have Elon. Um, I also think that I really hope that Elon doesn't allow the left media to make him the new Trump Um, because they're always looking for that. And, you know, we live in a capitalist society. We're going to, I mean, that is completely unfettered now. And we have all of these billionaires taking over. I mean, it's a corporatocracy anymore. And it's just completely, it is like the great derangement. And just watching it is just so, it's just crazy. But it is all, like people will say, it's like the end of capitalism. It's just completely nuts. And I hope something works out. And I know the work you guys do. and. Um, people who really, I think, clear-mindedly understand what exactly free speech is. And it isn't just some political thing we're going to fight about back and forth. But, you know, um, it's really, really important. And um, so we'll see with Elon. I I hesitate to just pick a side on this. He's a billionaire who bought something that was failing. um, And he wanted the advertising. You know, he's all about he's a businessman. He's just like CNN and media and government and everything else right now. So um, I think we're not getting to the root of the problem when we just jump to criticize Elon. You know, it's same with Trump. I mean, there's things that these people are created. And yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But, yeah, this country is just it's just wild to watch it. And um, I kept thinking last night and this morning about the great derangement when um, how funny it is when he goes to Congress and just listens to politicians and just all of it is just Matt Taibbi is just. He's so succinct, and I love him, and I love you guys, and thanks for letting me talk again, and I hope well, you have Well, thank heard. you. Yeah, have it's, a beautiful day.
1: You too. Yeah. Um, if Elon was banning people uh, like the usual people who get banned, like for example, you know, we mentioned a few, t- like Garland Nixon, who's a leftist, and
3: yeah, that sucks. Um, um, you,
2: know,
1: you know, then 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 none of these people would care, but it's just because they yeah. got banned, Now they're outraged and they care about free speech. So yeah, it's it's all a farce and. Again, the idea that like $44 billion can, should get you a website is just that's ridiculous to begin with. This is, And the amount of attention that Twitter gets is just it speaks to how watered down and how substance free our society has become. Because if we were really involved in the issues that impact people's lives, we wouldn't be spending so much time sniping about Twitter, <laughs> a social media site. But that's just where we're at. OK, uh, armchair. Go ahead. Yeah um thanks i was just
13: i uh, just thought i'd share something regarding the twitter files because um i think there's a lot of um misunderstanding and a lot of like jumping to conclusion regarding um the violation of first amendment and i'm speaking specifically in the legal sense because i think i mean you can criticize twitter i think that's uh, you know some people on the left are doing a, a good job being consistent on their criticism of, um, you know, certain policies that were taken both by Elon and by previous, you know, people who owned Twitter before, like Ben Burgess is one example, Branko, Marcus Marsetic is another one. But I just think one, um, I think, point of confusion that a lot of people have uh, is regarding the, this idea that Twitter, um, you know, even, getting those uh, you know uh, those emails from the FBI and then acting on those accounts somehow that necessarily constitutes a violation of First Amendment um, I'll just quote um, this is gonna take 10 seconds I'm just gonna quote a lawyer uh, George Mason University professor David Bernstein uh, he is quoted in the Fox News uh, article so definitely not you know, not a outlet that caters to, uh, you know, to shit lips, quote, unquote. So this guy says uh, the FBI is a tricky case. If there is no political interference, the FBI sharing information with Twitter is not inherently inappropriate. For example, the FBI could share information with a Twitter account that, that a Twitter account is linked to a known terrorist group. However, there's obviously a line between properly sharing information and a government agency unduly pressuring, especially if there's a threat of retaliation attached. Without knowing more about exactly what the FBI was doing, I can't say which side the line it was on. Um, And then, you know, they they quote another um, lawyer, um, uh, Robert Delahunty, um, also basically saying that we don't – we can't say for sure. Like, just having what we have right now is not enough to say that this was necessarily, legally speaking uh, um, – against, you know, violating the First Amendment. So I think it's just, I just wanted to add that um, context because I feel like a lot of people jump to that conclusion like too fast. Um, And if you have some comments it would be great to hear from you.
0: Well, I think that, so in terms of the uh, free speech stuff or First Amendment stuff, I think the issue isn't, it's not a government thing, but the issue is, and Ro Khanna spoke to this, but the issue is whether this kind of functions as a public square.
13: Right. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But I, I just mean, like, do, do, do you mean, like, free speech as, as an overall principle, as opposed to the, you know, t- talking about it in a legal sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, and I all, agree with that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
0: But yeah, and Rokana has talked about this, and he's you know he's a good uh legal mind.
13: Right, yeah, I mean and to be to be frank, I think he like I actually really respected uh, the fact that Rokana, I think in the first Twitter files, there was a an email uh, from him that- reaching out to somebody in on Twitter basically pushing back against the throttling of the of the of the Hunter Biden story. Um, right. So I think that, that, I think he deserves a lot of credit for
1: that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much.
1: Yeah. And apparently, uh, as we're speaking, there's been a new Twitter file thread from one of the journalists reporting the story, Michael something, something, um, about the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. So if people want to check out that, that's on Twitter and uh, his name is yeah Michael Schellenberger. now uh, he has a new Twitter files thread um, I hope this gets turned into an article because I find these threads uh, I mean they get they run a little yeah. long it's well, hard to follow but anyway,
0: Elon wanted
1: that that was Elon's condition yeah, yeah. okay Sally
9: hi how are you how are you? Fine. We had a big celebration yesterday in my country. Like, oh, the whole yes. Country. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging. I, I did a lot to get that.
1: Did you go out into the streets to celebrate?
9: Oh, yes, of course. And yeah. everywhere. There was people everywhere. And the biggest one had two million people in it. Wow. So, yeah I put a link to it and yeah I have from it was so good we needed so much to celebrate and it got no political banners anywhere everybody was was just singing and it was amazing but one thing about Morocco that I wanted to add is that a lot of their their team players were born in Europe but they, they play anywhere for their title of Moroccans, and they play for Moroccan. Like they, they, some of them declare that they were treated as as Moroccans <laughs> their whole lives in France or elsewhere. So they were feeling, and they play for the team, and they did an amazing job. I also was wanting to to get them to, just to the final, right? Not not to the cup because it was against us. So. But um, the other thing is this journalist from the U.S., uh, Grant Wall, I guess is his name, he died during one of the matches. He was one of the most uh, important journalists that, that exposed uh, FIFA and uh, slave labor in, in Qatar. He, he, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Well, he he died during the World Cup. Uh, apparently, it was it was a lot of saying his his brother said that it was he was murdered, but there was a lot of discussions. Apparently, his wife, who is a a doctor, uh, they had an autopsy in in the U.S. and it was a natural death. But anyway, he maybe people should take out his work. And uh, another thing that I was because I was calling for something else and. Um, Oh, no, one mention about the Europeans. They've been calling us racist, vulgar, uneducated. During The attacks during this, this World Cup was insane, insane. Even in, uh, there's an article in the Washington Post about the, uh, the, uh, Argentina being a racist country and I just want to say that we have a lot of talked about it because every country has racism, but we allowed everybody, anybody from anywhere, as long as they set foot in this country, nobody dies in the way. Well, of course, I mean, unless it is something we don't do, but we, we give them the nationality, we give them asylum as soon as they set foot, free healthcare, free education, free university, all the rights that you can imagine as many of those countries don't have, and we accept them all everybody Senegal is this, There's the, the last are the last big immigration, and so to have the nerve to call us all those things really was not nice and What I wanted to add is about this article about immigration, sorry about my voice i've been singing. it. Um, there's, I, I put a link to, to a documentary about the fruit companies and the U.S. government uh, making people sick all over Central America, so maybe people should check it. There's a lot of info about that, but, and there's a lot of activists also that are being put in jail in Costa Rica and other ways because of protesting that, and it's a good thing to check out.
1: Okay. Silly, thank you for the call and congratulations again to your country. What an exciting time! Enjoy the yeah, celebration. Okay, we have time for a few more callers, so let's go to Ben. Hello, uh,
14: thank you guys so much uh, for letting me speak. I know sometimes, like it's these kind of things, are actually probably pretty hard to run uh, and tiring a little bit, but uh, thank you guys. And I've been following you for forever. Uh, um, you know, at th- least three, uh, three or four years anyway. Familiar with you guys' work and appreciative of you guys is, um, being on, uh, sort of a populist side anyway, blah, blah. Um, I don't know, whatever, just being on, being uh, honest and your in your journalism, which is, is, is somehow super rare. Um, so I had a couple of comments. I'll, I'll try to get to it. Um, I just wanted to say, um, if, uh, so I, I kind of feel like if anybody, you know, there's a South Park episode where, uh, there's like the queer eye for straight, uh, straight guy kind of parody thing. And it's like, it turns out they're just crab people. And it's like, and it makes all sense to like Mr. Garrison who couldn't figure out like, why would you sell out your own kind? um. And I feel that way about like the Democrats. And I feel like, you know, you can look at it in individual things like, like so sort of minorities or LGBT or poor people or the environment or immigrants. But then the whole big the whole party, like in a nutshell, like is like doing things against its own people in a sense. And like, but it's not like why it's like, it's for power and for money. Um, so, you know, and if, and if we really cared, um, maybe we would separate dangerous tweets and information from, you know, things that are dangerous to your side and, and propaganda that serves your agenda. And, um, you know, somehow that's so hard. Um, but I mean, and, and it's just, it's a lack of honesty and, and, and um, lack of uh, a willingness to be, to have a mature rational debate uh, In law, uh, that's been going on for a while. And, uh, um, all right, next thing is I want to say like, everyone is uh, I think superficially understanding banning um, and uh, basically they're they're super they're not really understanding what how pervasive it is and how far-reaching it is and then uh, a lot of people for instance think that it was just after January 6th and it was only to conservatives um, and uh, I think that what we need to also understand is how important it is and how much it affects and i use our imagination a little bit here like as uh, Montaigne said we're not so much Guilty of ignorance, he, he said, uh, but he thinks uh, witlessness um, and basically try to try to think about, you know, really all the ways that this has hurt a lot of things and affected, impacted a lot of things. Um, just think about it when you're labeling bots as real people and pe- real people as bots, um, what kind of impact that would have um, in so many ways. Um, and-
0: Thanks, Ben, for all the food for thought. Well, we got to wrap, guys. Uh, sorry to all of you who didn't get to join the call in, but we'll be here again, of course, uh, next week. Uh, are we going to be here next week, Aaron?
1: Stay tuned to find out. We don't know.
0: Stay tuned to find out, <laughs> but we'll definitely be there. What's the Monday after that?
1: Yeah, not. Yeah, take- I mean, only because next Monday is a haul is, is, is after right. Christmas, so we, we don't know if we're doing a show next week, but we'll let everyone know once we decide. Yeah. yeah Yeah.
0: tune in and then the worst comes to worst we won't be there better than that than missing us
1: yeah tune in to find out whether you can tune in or not yeah Yeah. thanks
0: everyone have a great holiday